Welcome to the Westland Free Methodist Church podcast, where we're uniting with Jesus to restore lives to joy-filled wholeness. If this is your first time to join us or your 10th time, we're glad to have you. If you believe in Jesus or you don't, we're excited you're joining us. If you're living in the joy-filled wholeness or you're not, this is the place for you. Good morning, everyone. I think I'm recording in the morning. (laughs) Uh, How's everybody doing today? I hope you're doing well. If you're joining us for the first time, my name is Jason, and we're glad to have you with us. If you've been joining us before, you obviously know my name is Jason, the host here of the Westland Free Methodist Church podcast. Um, This week, we don't have a guest. We had one last week. Uh, So today, you're going to spend some time together with me, but I've had a a few different questions and uh, cool testimony from a a person or two that I'm going to share, and hopefully as part of those rhythms, you're going to hear some of your own tools for your walk with Jesus. And I know at least part of it's going to mobilize you for the mission. And so that fits kind of our heart here. We always like to have part of our conversation around mobilizing us. Like, Jesus, how do you want to mobilize us for your kingdom work around us? And in our particular areas, are there any tools that will help us grow in our walk with the Lord? And then the occasional testimony of transformation, if you will, and then sometimes a weekly word as well. So that's what we're going to do today. Uh, We're going to do this weekly word time, and the weekly word uh, is going to bring up opportunities for me to share some of the testimony of some brothers who have uh, shared some cool things God's been doing in their lives, and then from that, we'll also get to give you some tools and and mobilize you. So we're going to be in the book of Luke today, Um, and uh, hopefully you're, you're listening online or you're listening in your car and you can get your Bible out if you're listening at home or something, but we're going to be jumping through big, big chunks of Luke. Because sometimes, I don't know if you've ever heard the saying, um, but getting lost in the weeds, and I mean this in the nicest way possible, sometimes we dive into the living Word so much and the Holy Spirit speaks to us, and we don't step back and say, God, let, let me see bigger picture stuff and how this all intertwines and connects and there's so many layers. The Spirit speaks to us on so many layers, and Jesus is so much uh, more wise and um, gives us so much more knowledge through His power than we can ever get on our own. So if we step back in the book of Luke, and I'm going to start... <clears throat> Excuse me. I need a drink for a minute. <clears throat> much better. I'm going to start in Luke chapter 5, and the reason is up to this point, Jesus... You know, we got the story of Jesus being born, etc. The boy Jesus in the temple, and then the temptation of Jesus. And now in chapter 5, he started healing people at the end of chapter 4, but he calls his first disciples. So I'm going to read a little section here, and then we're going to step back and just look at some big picture stuff and learn from that. This also tells you, <clears throat> and I, gives us some. Uh, practical tool for looking at the Bible. Sometimes we get so caught up and the church is really good and people in the body of Christ, at least here in America, are good at at diving into verse by verse and there's so much beauty in that. But if we don't step back, we miss so much other stuff that's big picture or how these chapters go together or paragraphs, etc. So I'm going to read in chapter 5 for a minute. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. He saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out and were washing their nets. 
Getting in one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked them to put out and land. Uh, when he had finished speaking to the people, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and we took nothing, but at your word, I'll let down the nets. When they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come help, and they came and filled both boats. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch. And so were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, follow me, and you'll be catching men. <clears throat> when they brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. This may be a familiar passage for many of you. And we start here at the calling of the disciples. Because what are we called to do? Jesus tells us, go and make disciples. The end of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So our main declaration by the Lord is like, hey, just as I made disciples, you make disciples. But what you're doing, you're baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So really it's the Spirit's power, and it's the wisdom and the guidance of the Father and the Son who are discipling them. It's not a burden thing on you. It's actually a gift. Um, and the Lord says, you're not doing it alone. We're actually in this together. It's a partnership, discipling people. And So if that's what we're all called to do, when it boils down to it, is make disciples. That's not something the pastor is supposed to do. That's not something... A staff member at a church is supposed to do all people who call on the name of Jesus are supposed to be making disciples. Period. It's not on a paid staff. You can't, that's not a get out of jail card. Like, ah, oh, we pay this person, I give this much money for this nonprofit or for this missionary to do that. I don't have to. Those are good things, but scripturally, we're all called to make disciples. In order to make disciples, we have to be a disciple. We're not going to go down that trail right now. What does it mean to be a disciple? And what does it mean that I'm walking in the power of the Holy Spirit and living in and abiding in the words of the Lord and abiding with Him as He abides in me? But instead, assuming you're a disciple of Christ, <clears throat> I want to give you a practical tool right now. First thing after He calls His disciples, you know what Jesus does? They come with Him and they basically watch. And he just invites them to live life with him. Watch what I'm doing. Hear what I'm teaching. Hear what I'm saying to people. Ask questions. For chapters he does this. They see him heal people. They see him get asked questions. They listen to his answers. They ask him questions. And he answers them and responds. And then over time, eventually, he sees him heal again. There's healing, there's teaching, there's listening ears. And there's a quote I really like by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. The Lord here, Jesus in making disciples, naturally just develops this deep, holy community. A holy friendship, if you will. And so many people in our culture, in the church and elsewhere, they're all looking for some kind of deep community. Uh, there's studies that have shown that. I remember a study from 2019 uh, that I looked at two or three years ago, and it was talking about how many people ultimately at their root, what they want is just a real community. So they're, sometimes they're looking for that 
in sports, people they can be real with and do something they love. Looking at in video gaming, people they can be real with but also do something they love. It's a, it's a way to develop community, but none of those are the most fulfilling community you can have because they're, they're only a glimpse of what is meant to be, what we are designed for in community. And so Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this, the person who loves their dream of community will actually destroy community, but the person who loves those around them will create community. And here in the life of Jesus, you see he's loving the people around him. He's inviting people to be close to him, specific people. He's not just inviting necessarily everyone to be his disciples. Anyone can follow, but not be like that life together closeness. And so a practical tool, if you're looking for community and you're, you're wanting people to walk with you, well, the person who intentionally loves those around him will begin to create that deep, holy community. And that love is not a superficial love. That's a inviting people into your home, having meals together, not because you want to develop community, but you're seeking to love. And in turn, you'll be loved and that community will form. I've experienced that. I know numerous others that you know what you want, this dream of community, but whenever you're trying to foster and create it, it doesn't work. And then when you're just loving the people God puts in your sphere and they're loving you, it just naturally comes about. It's an organic thing. So that's the first thing when it comes to discipleship. Jesus develops his community not by forcing it, but by an intentionality to love those around. And when he sees people who are willing to hey, come alongside me, hey, why don't you join me in this life? Why don't you follow me? And for them, following wasn't, okay, uh, every three days we're going to sit together for two hours and have a teaching moment. It was literally just life together. Traveling together, eating meals together, sharing family time together. It's a very beautiful thing. So that's the first tool as we're studying this for discipleship that I encourage you to learn from Jesus. Now as we move further into Luke in this weekly word, as he is teaching them and he's letting them just watch him and he's teaching and watching, over time he actually lets them have a little more participation. By the time you get to chapter 9, you know what? He sends them out just for a short bit and then has them come back. And then he has them help with the feeding of the 5,000. Then he sends them out again and has them come back. And so there's this layer of, okay, initially you watch me, you learn from me, you ask me questions, I teach. And then after you've done that some, I'm going to give you a little freedom. And he sends his spirit with him. So really, we know this, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of Jesus. So he actually sends his spirit on them. says, here you go. I'm giving you the power through the spirit to do these things temporarily. At this point, the disciples haven't been freed from sin. Jesus hasn't died and risen from the dead. So the spirit cannot dwell in them, but it can be upon them for a particular thing. So he's with them in a very real way just not in the flesh when he sends them out, and then comes back. He says, okay, let's re rehash this, some more teaching, some more observing, asking questions, active participation together, then he sends them out again. That's the rhythm of discipleship for Jesus. He does this for three years, something like that, before he dies and he's raised from the dead. And then when he raises and ascends into heaven, he sends his spirit, and now, 
three years of this process of living life together, them getting to ask questions, them looking, them hearing teachings, but also seeing how Jesus did stuff, seeing how he inter interacted with the Romans, seeing how he interacted with politics, seeing how he interacted with the religious leaders, with the broken people on the side of the road, with the homeless, with the blind, whatever it is. They witnessed how he interacted with all types of people. So now they have an idea of what Jesus would do, not just with his words, but his actions. He taught them all these different ways. So the next tool that I want to share with you as an observation, if we're looking at this big picture and how Jesus disciples his people, is actually for your family, if you have a family. We need, we have a responsibility, whether you're a single parent or dual parents, you know, you have a responsibility. Your first role as a follower of Jesus is to disciple your kids above and beyond and before you ever are thinking about discipling other people. My first role is to disciple the kids the Lord has given me. Most important. So what does that look like? You live life together. Well, God's made this easy for us. You actually live life with your kids already. But now, do they actually watch you live out your faith? Or is it segmented out? You live out your faith certain times during the day when they're at home or when they're at school. Or do they actually see you praying? Do they see you spending time in your word? One of my favorite stories uh, I've heard from someone recently was they were having their prayer time in the morning and one of their kids woke up and just came in there and they said, you can join me in prayer if you want, but I want to finish my time with Jesus because it's just so good. So their child just sat there and whether they actually prayed or pretended to pray or just sat in quiet, I don't know. But they watched. Talk about a parent, and this is not me, a parent who's discipling their child. By their child seeing, oh, they really spend prayer. They're literally on their knees for some of this time praying. And the child's observing that. They're not just being told to pray, and they're not just being prayed for at meals and at night or whatever, in the morning maybe. They're seeing their own parent or parents. And they're watching it the way the disciples watched things and picked up things from Jesus. Are, they, are your kids seeing you in Scripture? Are they seeing you and your spouse pray together? Are you, they seeing you guys talk about Jesus, talk about in the Word together? Does the family ever take time to be in the Word together as a big collective? That sounds obvious, but I know most homes don't do this. So a practical tool to disciple your kids, the first layer of it, let them see you living out your faith in your home. And that may be a convicting thing for you because you go, well, really, I just do that out there. Okay, then maybe you aren't fully abiding in the, in the whole of your life. If, you're only, if it's only segmented out and you're doing it certain times, then Jesus is probably wanting you to jump deeper in. I know in my life, I've, the kids have even seen me sacrifice or put away TV or cell phone or something for time with Jesus or with other people. And they, they see that and they observe, oh, people matter more than the things. People matter more than stuff. Jesus matters more than these things. They're observing that. And partnered with that comes teachings at times, comes prayers, comes uh, spiritual gifts you see 
healings, other things. And your kids start to see those things. And the second thing, and this is where I want to share a little testimony of a brother of mine that just shared with me the other day. <laughs> he started inviting his kids as they get older. Not just, how do you want to pray today? What do you want to pray for tonight? Etc. But actually, hey, those are good things. Let's pray for them. Will you pray? Or you start and then I'll finish. Now they're partnering together. It's not just you just observe me, you ask questions. Now the parent is actually inviting the child into that. It's a beautiful thing. It's what Jesus does. He invites the, the disciples to participate with him, particularly in some of the healings and the feeding of the thousands. He said, well, I'm not going to do all of this. I want you to do some too. And then he sends them out, and they come back, and then he sends them out, and they come back. Two different times in the Gospel of Luke, particularly. <clears throat> Which also leads to the final way when you're discipling your kids. and Give some space for them to just press into Jesus. They're sending out, if you will. If they can ask questions, or you could even say, Hey, why don't, why don't you just have some of your own prayer time today? while I'm doing my prayer time. Or you have some prayer time, just you, and then I'll come in. As they're learning to read, you read in the Bible, and then you can ask me questions about it. You, you want to do this thing in the neighborhood? Well, instead of me going up and telling these people, we're doing this, hey, we just baked this bread for you, and we want you to know we've been praying for you. Actually give it to my child and say, hey, you want to go tell them, Jesus loves you, we pray for you, this bread's for you. You don't even have to tell them what to say. Let them kind of discern it if you want. That's a low-pressure situation, and it's giving them an opportunity to start to get comfortable and with telling people about Jesus' love. Uh, so some very practical tools when it comes to discipleship uh, and seeing how Jesus discipled. And I'm telling you, just in my opinion, and I, you study Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're going to see how Jesus disciples people. And the way he does it is they live life together. They intentionally spend time together in community. They observe how he does things. I've had people observe one of the things that I do when I go out to eat almost every time if I'm eating out with someone and I have a waiter or waitress. When they come up and <clears throat> bring my food, I'll say, hey, so-and-so, uh, uh, we're going to pray for our food. Is there anything you need prayer for? It's a very simple phrase. And how many people are like, oh, actually, this just happened yesterday. In a meeting I had, uh, a lady starts telling us about what's going on in her family life. and So we get to pray for her right there and our food all at once. It's a, and there's the occasional person who says, ah, I, don't, I don't need prayer or I don't believe in that. No, thank you. But very rarely, most of the time, people are appreciative. You actually care about them. And it, so it's low-hanging fruit in regards to prayer because you're already going to pray for your food assuming you're going to pray for food if the people sitting at the meal with you they see you do that and they're like oh that wasn't hard and i know people who have seen that they've told me say hey i've started doing something like that i just didn't realize that was how easy that was so it wasn't just teaching it was observing it and i wasn't doing that so that they would learn from me i was doing it because i genuinely care about the person so if your kids see that kind of stuff in you everyday life they see how you prayed about, Lord, do you, do you want us to get a new car? We're praying about it. 
it's got a lot of miles and we just don't know if Jesus wants that, but we're going to ask him. If they hear you and your wife or whoever, or they see you as a single parent praying and talking to Jesus about like, do, do I need a new car or I just want a new car? Or, or can you just give me clarity? Do you want us to have, they see that even those things matter or a new pair of shoes or a new toy, uh, whatever that is. And they, they catch that. Uh, I'm going to steal my wife's quote or a version of it. To be a disciple of Jesus is not just taught, it's caught. That's the root of this. It's what you see all throughout the Gospels. He teaches a lot of things, but he also just has them live life with him and they observe things. And it changes their lives. So those that's kind of our weekly word today as we've jumped into Luke um, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, even 10 is the, the kind of the theme. But it's in Matthew, Mark, John as well, these big picture ideas. Hopefully that's given you some tools for in your family or the people you work with. You live life with them every day if you live, work in the same area. And uh, they are slowly going to catch things and may even ask questions and provides opportunities to teach or for you to say something and even talk about what Jesus has done changing your heart. Those can just come about by the intentionality of living life together, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer said. So I hope this has been helpful for you, hearing some different individuals' testimonies, um, some of my story mixed in all through the context of the Gospel of Luke, to better disciple your families and for me to disciple my family and the people I live life with. If you have any questions or you ever want us, there's a specific something you're interested in talking about on the podcast, please reach out. Uh, let us know. Uh, you can get reach out to me on the website or email me or something like that uh, or on Facebook on Westland Free Methodist Church. But we would love to be able to answer any questions you have as well as we use this as a resource and tool to pour into you, uh, to be poured into for me. The final thing I have for you before I say send off and say goodbye, I encourage you, ask Jesus, is there anyone who needs to hear this? Is there anyone who needs to hear, you know, Alan's testimony or Evan's story that's on the podcast or Ethel's from a while back or Seth? Just ask Jesus, is there a person or maybe more than one people who need it? And share it with them. I don't get any money from this. Our church doesn't pay any money for this. We're doing this to pour into our people. And so if there are more people that the Lord stirs up, man, I think this could really help this person or these people in our church or not. I do encourage you to just pass some of these stories on or uh, the links on um, for our podcast. But I just pray that the Lord make himself even more real to you today and that you know his love, power, his goodness. Um, and he shows you how much more he wants to free you from the junk in your life uh, as you, as people watch you and see that freedom. And then it will be a witness and a testimony to his goodness. We'll catch up with you next time. Here at Westland Free Methodist Church, we are led by the Spirit, rooted in the Word, mobilized for the mission, committed to our neighbors, and bonded through holy friendship. If you have questions about Jesus or our community of faith, feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to get in touch with you. 
For everyone else here, we reiterate the same thing that Jesus told his disciples. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, this world needs you. You are sent.